let the, the farmers still uh, give them their legitimate and democratic rights, support rural development. That's what they've been wanting. Build irrigation facilities, do away with intensive chemical farming, build sustainable farms, uh, provide financial support to farmers and not loans that will bury them in debt. Uh, supporting them will eventually support the whole country. 75% uh, of this country's population are farmers. So supporting that 75% of the population who are in agriculture will feed this whole country. So I do not know where, uh, how KMP is linked as a terrorist organization when that is the objective of the organization. Uh, to fight for the people's democratic and legitimate rights. Hello and welcome back to the Oakland Institute podcast. I'm Andy Currier and I'll be your host for today's episode as we take an inside look at the Filipino government's war on farmers. These are not random or isolated killings, but targeted assassinations carried out against peasant farmers struggling for a better future. Since Rodrigo Duterte came to power in 2016, there have been 311 documented killings of peasants, farm workers, and fisherfolk related to land dispute cases and advocacy for agrarian reform. While farmer killings have not generated the same international media coverage as Duterte's drug war, it remains an escalating situation, closely linked to suppressing the resistance to the government and World Bank's shared vision for agriculture development in the Philippines. Today, I'm very grateful to be joined by a member of KMP, a democratic mass organization of Filipino peasants primarily struggling for genuine land reform, social justice, and genuine social change. With more than 2 million members throughout the country, KMP remains unwavering, leading peasants, farm workers, and the rural people in defending their life and lands. Uh, my name is Catherine Manga, and I am the project coordinator for Kilusang Magbukid ng Pilipinas, or the Peasant Movement of the Philippines. I've been working for uh, with KMP for uh, three years now. Um, so still very new. I'm a new staff with KMP, considering that uh, some of the staffs are um, already like 35 years or 25 years in with KMP already. So thank you again for joining us today. Uh, let's get right into the questions. Now, since taking power, Duterte has waged a brutal war on farmers. Can you describe the current situation facing farmers in the Philippines? The pandemic has laid bare, actually, uh, the, the problematic uh, system that is in the, in the Philippines right now. So, but before the pandemic, the, the Filipino farmers have already been facing landlessness, uh, land grabbing harassments and, and different uh, human rights violations. Um, amid the pandemic, they were faced with uh, difficulty of uh, uh, transporting their goods. Uh, been more cases of uh, land grabbing because um, farmers were not able to uh, go to their farms. So the landlords and the uh, corporations were able to fence their farms. Um, and right now, amid still amid the pandemic, uh, farmers are facing um, uh, a lot of uh, problems like the new uh, the, the new programs being implemented by the government as what they say as their answers to uh, the, the 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 problem of the pandemic. So um, without uh, 
without with with the Philippines, uh, uh, the Fili the Philippines is uh, composed of uh, three fourths of the Philip the Philippine population is composed of farmers, and these are most of these are landless farmers, and without land, with um, with working in farms as me, uh, agricultural workers or uh, helpers uh, is not sufficient uh, for them to, uh, for their daily needs. So that is what they are faced with right now. And then, so for, for farmers and activists who are, are trying to address this problem with farmers not having their needs met, how has the government uh, responded? Yeah, so we have recorded 311 killings of uh, farmers in the Philippines. The latest is the uh, Tumandok massacre. Uh, Tumandoks are the indigenous people of, um, of Panay in the Visayas uh, region. Um, this was, this happened last, uh, I, this was last December, last December. Mm -hmm. So the synchronized uh, police and military operations led by the uh, Philippine National Police in the Region 6. Um, uh, currently, they are, there, there are ongoing uh, operations in the Tumak Tumandok areas in, in Panay. Um, they were deployed there in 2018 and have been responsible for the series of killings of farmers and Hacienda workers. Uh, KMP's local chapter in Panay, Pamangas, um, witness um, have reported uh, that witnesses say that the soldiers uh, and the policemen forcibly entered into the homes of the victims uh, at daybreak and then ordered uh, the, the members of the families to get out of their houses and then they were fired upon. Uh, some of the relatives of the victims said that uh, some of their loved ones, the victims, uh, were even tortured before they were uh, killed. So the Tumandok is an organization or a tribe resisting the construction of the Halaur uh, River Multipurpose Project. It is already in stage two and it is located in Kalinog Iloilo uh, in the Visayas regions. Um, in the in the past, the Tumandoks were uh, forced were being forced to accept uh, fifty thousand fifty thousand pesos per hectare uh, for those for the farmers or for the IPs holding a certificate of ancestral domain title, and lesser amount for those without the title. Um, they have been constantly threatened with the construction of the mega dam. Uh, which in, uh, I think it's uh, 11, 11 billion mega dam. Um, and the persistent resistance of the Tumandok has delayed the several years of construction of the, the mega dam. Mm -hmm. So that the latest massacre that happened in December was uh, that incident. And um, right now we have counted um, 311 farmers killed under the Duterte administration. So that is obviously a, a terrible statistic that unfortunately I don't think the international community has really recognized. Um, but in the Philippines, how does the government justify this kind of violence against its own people, especially uh, its own farmers? So tagging an individual or an organization as red or 
is tagging him, tagging an individual or an organization as red is tagging him as a communist. Uh, in the Philippines, the government have been wanting to put the CPP or the Communist Party of the Philippines on the terror list, on the terrorist list. And just this December, uh, I think December 9, the Anti-Terrorism Council has designated the CPP as a terror organization, as a terrorist organization. Uh, they have a document uh, that's been approved that states that there is a probable cause that uh, CPP NPA committed acts defined as terrorism under the Anti-Terrorism Act um, and should be tagged as terrorist. So what happens when you are tagged as a, as a communist terrorist? They use, it, they use that term now, a communist terrorist. You are targeted to be killed. You become part of their liquidation list. Um, this was the case of Sara Alvarez. This was um, the case of Sara Alvarez, a human rights activist, a health worker. This was the case of Attorney Ben Ramos, a people's lawyer from Negros. Uh, this was the case of Dr. Mary Rosen Celan, the head of uh, the head of the city interagency task force against emerging infectious diseases. Um, this last quarter of 2020, red tagging has been uh, in the, the intensified red tagging, um, and I the, and we think in KMP we think that one of the internal motives of um, this red tagging tagging thing is the is an electoral motive for the military. Um, they have been trying to destroy the people's party lists. Uh, who are members of the Congress, who are members of the parliamentary, uh, because next year is already election and they have been trying to destroy every representative uh, in, this, uh, in, this, in these party lists. We call it the Makabayan bloc. Um, to, uh, to not to let them run for elections. And so uh, without them in the Congress, the people's policies pro-people policies, people-centered policies will not be uh, passed or will not, be, will, will not even be considered to be written or to be passed. So we think that this is the, the internal objective of this uh, red tagging. Um, well, they, uh, just to add, they're saying that uh, the armed rebellion in the countryside is the root of pover poverty which to totally dismisses the fact that the five decades of war in the countryside is brought about by landlessness and equal control of resources. What KMP have been saying is that if you want this war to end, let the, the farmers still uh, give them their legitimate and democratic rights, support rural development, that's what they've been wanting, build irrigation facilities, do away with intensive chemical farming, build sustainable farms, uh, provide financial support to farmers and not loans that will bury them in debt. Uh, supporting them will eventually support the whole country. 75% uh, of this country's population are farmers. So supporting that 75% of the po population who are in agriculture will feed this whole country. So I do not know <laughs> where, uh, how, KMP is linked as a terrorist organization when that is the objective of the organization uh, to fight for the people's democratic and legitimate rights.
As an organization on the front lines of this fight, KMP has been specifically targeted by the government. Um, so what happened to KMP's Deputy Secretary General, Randall Achanas? Today, uh, this uh, January 10, is uh, the fifth, uh, marks the fifth month of Randy's uh, death. Ka Randy, as we call him. Ka in, uh, in the Philippines is short for kasama or comrade. So um, it's also our way of respecting our uh, elder um, activists. So we call them uh, Ka, Randy. So this today marks the fifth month of Karandi's brutal murder. So on the, on the early morning of August 10, uh, um, more than five men, the witnesses say that more than, they saw more than five men uh, put a ladder in front of Karandi's building where he was renting uh, an apartment and then um, went to his to his uh, room and then broke into his apartment uh, a lot of witnesses said that they heard um, uh, muffled uh, screams um, eventually Karandi was found lifeless with 40 stab wounds um, at first we thought that he was he had two gunshot wounds in the head. Um, so for us, we thought that, oh, if he was shot, then maybe he could have died uh, immediately. But that was not the case with the autopsy. With the autopsy, the autopsy showed that um, he was tortured. And those gunshot wounds that we thought were gunshot wounds were not, they were uh, sharp objects. Uh, that were stabbed in his uh, skull. And uh, aside from that, there were lots of bruises and wounds in his body. He was tied, hug-tied. And then, yeah, so 40, 40 uh, stab wounds. Um, uh, after that, uh, the, the police uh, reported uh, his... Uh, his body under another name, so we could not claim him. We had to go after him, go after uh, the body in in the funeral uh, service, um, in the funeral in the funeral parlor, and then when it was released uh, after more than twenty four hours, we were already getting ready for the wake, but his body was snatched uh, from the. Uh, from where he was supposed to be, um, from from where the wake was supposed to be, so um, they put they uh, put him uh, they they got got the body and then they uh, returned it to the funeral parlor because they said uh, it's not been it has not been closed. Uh, they are not sure if the body is that of Randall Echanis. Uh, the thing is, the the wife already identified the body, and um, his colleagues and his um, uh, his colleagues and his uh, friends already identified the body, and the lawyer already identified the body, but uh, they would not release uh, the body of Randall Echenis. So eventually, it was released after I think forty eight after three days. No, after three days, 
it was released after three days. So that was the only time when the family and uh, his colleagues and his friends were able to mourn uh, in a wake for him. Well, it's obviously um, terrible and, and pretty shocking to hear. And, and I've mm -hmm. seen also that his daughter um, and young grandson mm -hmm. have also been targeted in the aftermath mm -hmm. of his death. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. Um, Amanda, Amanda is uh, Karandi's Cara, youngest daughter. Um, Amanda is a, an organizer for the women's organization Amihan. And Amihan has a chapter in Cagayan Valley that's uh, north of uh, the Philippines. So Amanda has been an organizer there for a long time now. Um, and at that time when she was arrested, uh, illegally arrested, uh, she just gave birth. Actually, it was just the 21st, it, it was a 21-day-old child. Uh, so not yet one month. Uh, still with the mother, nursing, uh, still nursing with the mother. Um, when Amanda was, Amanda's uh, hut or Amanda's house in the province was raided and um, uh, explosives and guns and, and guns and explosives were planted in, uh, inside the house. Uh, in fact, she has a video it's, uh, while it was happening and then she was saying in the video that this, these are not mine, this bag is not mine. Uh, I don't have this kind of bag. So anyway, after that, they were the, the, Amanda and her uh, not, uh, and her month old child was taken under the custody of uh, the police. And uh, until now, she is, uh, under their cost, uh, she, she is detained. So, you know, from what I've seen is what's happened to the Achanas family is not an isolated event. And what you've been describing um, appears to just be a targeted campaign uh, led mm -hmm. by the government against peasant farmers for their activism. Mm -hmm. um, so I think for listeners who aren't as familiar with the situation, Understanding the history of land ownership in the Philippines is vital to understanding um, what KMP is struggling for. So could you talk briefly about how land came to be so unequally distributed in the Philippines? Okay. Um, the Philippines has a, a history, a very long history of colonization. It was colonized by the Spanish for, uh, by Spain for 300 years. And then came the Americans. Um, who controlled uh, its government, its education, um, its culture eventually. Uh, so under, under the colony, um, even before uh, the, the Americans, um, the Spanish colonization has already made inequalities uh, with the distribution of land. So the Hacienda system in, in, uh, in the Philippines where um, a lot, there are still a lot of agendas up to now, until now, um, doing uh, monocrop, uh, monocrop production. Um, the big uh, corporations uh, controlling the land in Mindanao are also there. So uh, the uh, unequal distribution of land in the Philippines started under that. And then eventually with the uh, the different policies of the governments, of the administrations that came after. Um, 
it has uh, continued this unequal distribution um, under uh, under the in, in 1988 the CARP law the Comprehensive Agrarian Reform Program was signed into law, but uh, with uh, the CARP not able not being able to uh, distribute the, the the targeted uh, land area for the farmers, uh, it continued until 2014. It extended from 2019 to 20, I, 2009 to 2014. It, it extended with the uh, Comprehensive Agrarian Reform uh, extension program. Uh, extension program, and then um, until now. Uh, it has not succeeded in distributing the targeted uh, land for the farmers. In, in when it was uh, closed in 2014, uh, data showed that 76% um, of the beneficiaries were unable to amortize the land. And so what that means is that uh, the land were elited from them. Hmm. So it was not distributed to them eventually. Right. And so that's, that's interesting. So the, the, I think it's the government statistics that I've seen um, said that 15% of the country was redistributed to almost 3 million mm. agrarian reform beneficiaries. Mm, mm -mm. So what you're saying is these beneficiaries weren't able to hold on to their land and ended up losing mm. it after the fact. Yes, 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 that's, that's correct. So um, what happens is um, most of them um, for for example, in the in the hacendas, there is um, there is a system called uh, arienda. So in the arienda uh, in the arienda system, um, real estate agents would uh, sweet talk farmers or organiza farmers organizations and uh, the certificate of land ownership award holders uh, into. They, they were they uh, they are forced into entering into arriendos or illicit uh, leaseback deals with uh, corporations. Uh, under this arrangement, the farmer beneficiaries will lose control of the land and uh, essentially become farmhands, receiving uh, small wages and shares. They call it shares, and worse, land under this uh, arriendo system or scheme, um, mostly. Uh, is mostly used for production of export crops, which is unnecessary for uh, their food security. And That's a very helpful summary uh, of kind of the history of land consolidation in the Philippines to help understand how landlessness has become such a widespread issue today. Now, turning to the present day, do you feel the government's priorities around agriculture uh, meet the needs of farmers? Well, right now, the government uh, is implementing uh, different projects like the plant 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 uh, project and uh, they have they, uh, they have programs which uh, um, uh, make pave way pave way for um, more um, land grabbing in the countryside so they have the uh, plant 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 and they have the build 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 so they they use terms they, they, they use terms that uh, needs to be repeated thrice, I think. So these programs are uh, implemented um, uh, mostly 
for the uh, benefit of um, uh, international uh, interna for the international market. As for the build, 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 it has uh, been um, paving way for lots of uh, grabbing and lots of uh, destruction in the farmlands of the farmers in the in the regions. Um, the the build, build, build is um, one of the biggest uh, projects of the Duterte government in um, in partnership with China. So um, the DA is uh, calling for uh, farm consolidation and they said that um, it's, it's going to, you have to come together and be in organization so that we can help you, um, uh, we can help you as an organization and not as individuals. It will be uh, easier for the government to uh, give you support. That's what they said. This is the Department of Agriculture. While the Department of Agrarian Reform is um, calling for the split. Uh, another, uh, the World Bank funded uh, program of split where uh, they are calling for collective uh, CLOAS, collective um, uh, uh, land titles to be individual, to be transferred into individual names. Right. So these two government agencies, both in the agriculture sector, are calling for two different things. Uh, so right now, the, their budget have been approved already. Uh, and we think that the reason why the Department of Agrarian Reform um, is so into this uh, split project is that it, this is triple their, the budget that, have been, that has been approved for them. I think it's 24 billion and the budget that was approved for them is only 8 billion. Mm -hmm. So um, yeah, so it's uh, more, more money and more, uh, more funds for them, but it does not uh, answer the, the needs of the farmers in the countrysides. I'm glad you mentioned the the World Bank split project. Um, a little more information on that. So recently, the bank assumed a larger role in facilitating land reform, approving a $470 million loan for the support to parcelization of lands for individual titling, known as split, uh, in July of 2020. So according to the World Bank, the split project will divide 1 million hectares currently under collective titles into individual titles, and as a result, strengthen tenure security for close to 1 million smallholder farmer beneficiaries. So will this project help improve land tenure security for farmers? Uh, and what are your thoughts on, are these collective titles the failure that the World Bank claims that they are? Mm. Um, I think that uh, this, this the split or the, the support to parcelization of land, land for individual titles of the DA will will only aggravate uh, landlessness in, in the countryside. It will enhance the, the disposability of uh, CLOAS as a uh, negotiating tool in the market or as collaterals for loans that could uh, later lead to the cancellation of these CLOAS when they are not able to pay anymore. And eventually it will be foreclosed. Uh, uh, it will foreclose the government awarded uh, lands. Um, KMP thinks that uh, Split does not aim to distribute land titles to farmers, contra contrary to its name. The program 
aims to pave way for the reconcentration of land into hands of big companies to construct their mega farms. That's one of the programs of the government right now, the mega farms. Uh, our decades of uh, experience of struggle prove that farmers granted with a certificate of land ownership award often lose their claim through the, uh, through the loopholes of the law through violence, through deception. Um, these anomalous schemes um, of land reconcentration um, are very uh, prevalent. And the mega farms, the mega farms and the food security program of the, the Department of Agriculture, um, I, I was not able to uh, uh, mention that earlier, but these are the, the current programs of the Department of Agriculture. The mega farms and the food security program is also set to aggravate hunger uh, with we think that it is set to aggravate hunger. It, it, it aims to cooperativize farmers who own small parcels of lands to engage in special production of high value crops mm. in 50 hectare mega farms, um, which is related actually to the ADB's aim to make farmers transition from planting cash crops uh, planting to cash crops, uh, especially the rice farmers who went bankrupt due to the, the recent rice import liberalization or the rice liberalization law that was, uh, um, that was uh, en enacted recently. So um, no, this will not help improve the security of land for the farmers. And so what does genuine agriculture reform look like to KMP? Um, you know, how can farmers gain secure access to land? Um, for, for KMP, genuine agrarian reform starts with free land distribution uh, and uh, su uh, supporting rural development, um, building irrigations, uh, supporting sustainable agriculture, um, uh, letting the farmers decide what kind of crops they would uh, want to 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 plant. Uh, in KMP, in KMP's uh, 35 years of um, experience, accessing land can only be done if the farmers have a strong organization to position themselves in the land, to till it according to their will and with all the productive resources within their control. Um, this our experience have taught us that it takes a movement to create such substantial change. We need the help of the young people, the women, the workers, the consumers to make this happen. Um, so whatever threat is thrown upon the farmers, they will not waver. So to secure land, um, of course, it would need a, 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 a program that uh, will help them um, nourish that land. And to secure that, as of the moment, is it takes a it's, it it to take a whole movement to to do that. And because, admittedly, the the government right now, the kind of government right now, will not uh, permit it to happen. Now, towards this goal, what are some of KMP's priorities uh, as we enter twenty twenty one? So, um, um, the commemoration of the Menjola massacre. Uh, which is now on its uh, 34th year since it happened in 1988, um, uh, will kickstart 
will be the kickoff of uh, KMP's year-long campaign. Um, it will be this January 22. Uh, um, and uh, we are calling for a big mobilization of farmers from the different regions. Um, aside from that, uh, the, our main campaign is still uh, the, um, um, the passing of the Genuine Agrarian Reform Bill in the Congress. Um, another one is the anti-privatization of the Coco Levy Fund of the Coco Farmers. Uh, we also have, um, of course, we have our uh, campaign against the killings. So our campaign for Stop Killing Farmers is still there. Um, and uh, we are building on this campaign against the uh, World Bank split program. Um, we also have, right now we are continuing with the campaign for the cash uh, aid uh, for the farmers' families and the um, production aid for the families. So um, until now, since the pandemic, it has not been re uh, released. Actually, there we do not see any intention from the government that it will release such aid for the farmers, but it is very much needed. Um, the, the only thing I think that we got from the government is the the seeds are some of some seeds uh, which have been distributed to the area, but you have to uh, you have to request that still. So they do not give it um, on their own. Uh, and then we also have uh, we are we are uh, building. Uh, oh no, we are uh, we have the year long campaign for the national foods the national people's food system summit which is our answer to the UN Food System Summit this 2021. So what we're doing is we have built up activities like uh, sectoral workshops on uh, cash crops, on mining, on land grabbing. Uh, the intention is to gather resolutions from those sectoral workshops and then bring them to the national summit uh, this coming September or October whenever the UN summit is going to be held. So we are going to hold our national summit maybe a month before that. Um, and then continue, uh, the, uh, another objective of that is to um, push the advocacy for agroecology in the Philippines um, for sustainable farming. And um, we also have, um, it is also connected with our campaign against highly hazardous pesticides. So yeah, um, we have a lot of things uh, to do this year. And actually they are just continuation of what we've been doing in the past. Well, that's quite a bit on your plate for this year. Um, it's very encouraging to hear an alternative to the UN Food System Summit be developed already. Um, this is a summit that the Oakland Institute and hundreds of civil society organizations have been very critical of, um, you know, as it's been taking shape, given its leadership and corporate ties, it's obvious that it does not intend to trigger the deep systemic changes necessary to address the massive challenges that we face. Instead, it's looking to do more of the same green and poor washing to preserve and perpetuate interests of agribusiness and agrochemical corporations at the expense of people and the planet. So hearing 
KMP being involved in organizing an alternative summit that really puts forward agroecological solutions endorsed by farmers is very encouraging. So besides following KMP uh, on social media, and we'll provide some uh, links to the accounts um, in the episode description for listeners. Uh, 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 uh. Um, so how, how can listeners outside the country lend support uh, to the farmers movement in the Philippines? Yeah, so I can, um, actually I've listed down three things that uh, you can uh, do to support us. One is you can organize online forums, uh, discussions about the plight of the Filipino peasants and farmers and invite our leaders to speak. Uh, invite our leaders to talk about um, uh, the inequality, the human rights abuses that's been happening in our country because talking about it will mean that we are not alone uh, in this, uh, in what is happening in our country. Um, and we know that with more people knowing about what is happening, it means that more people are looking for answers and solutions. And the second one is you can write appeal letters to uh, the UN on human rights on the human rights situations in the Philippines, particularly the series of killings among farmers uh, who've been struggling for their land and for their life. Uh, the third one is we need volunteers <laughs> uh, for our online work. So if you are campaigners, if you are visual artists, if you are, if you are web developers, we still need help in this arena. Uh, it is our uh, Waterloo. It's our um, it's where we are weak, uh, still weak. So to amplify our campaign for our farmers, uh, this is something that you can do for us. Great, well, thank you so much again for taking the time. I know how valuable your time is and I know it's, it's late on Sunday night, so I wanna let you go. Um. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, Auckland Institute. Thank you, Andy, for doing this for us. Uh, thank you everyone for listening. And I hope that uh, this um, talk has uh, opened um, lots of, uh, has opened windows for the Filipino farmers, has opened um, um, possi uh, possible support for them. Um, and um, we hope to have more of this in the future, um, not just about Filipino farmers, but farmers as a whole or uh, Asian farmers, yeah. Thank you again, Mango, for taking the time today. Uh, again, for listeners interested in keeping up with KMP, uh, links to social media will be provided in the episode description. You can also go to peasantmovementph.com for their website. Until next time. <laughs>